Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. Markets are a little unsettled at the moment. In fact, when aren't they? Last week's somewhat unexpected rate rise combined with the banking crisis in the US made for some uneasy investors. But with rates peaking, what should investors be thinking about right now? Remember, this is general information only, and you should seek professional advice before making investment decisions. Matthew Kidman is Principal at Centennial Asset Management and a regular guest on the podcast. Matthew, welcome back to Fear and Greed. Hi, Sean. How are you? Well, thank you. Let's start with the banks because so many of us hold bank stocks via our super funds. They really came off the boil last week and we had National Australia Bank coming out with a $4 billion profit. We've got Westpac today. It's just the profit margins seem to be squeezed, but then you've got the US stuff. How do we think about the banks? Yeah, I, I know I've made a few comments over the last, say, six to nine months that I thought the banks were expensive. And I think at last, I was wrong for so long, but I think at last that's coming to fruition. And the real issue with the banks, it seems like, and as you said, we're, we're getting the bank results now, NAB on Thursday, ANZ so far and Westpac to be seen. But the overwhelming issue is what they call the NIM, net interest margin, which is basically you know, how much different they lend money out compared to what they borrow their own money, their own funding at, and that's shrinking and that's worrying the market. So you're seeing a sell-off and prices are adjusting People don't have to worry. It's not an issue regarding what we've seen in the US where the regional banks are definitely under liquidity pressures where the deposit base is fleeing and we've seen a few bank failures. This is a different issue. This is just about margin. And to be honest, the banks, the four big banks have got no one else to blame but themselves. They've been too aggressive on mortgages, residential mortgages, which now is the core of their business. And they've been giving uh, incentives like cashbacks and whatnot, and they've basically crowded out the rest of the market. So they've They've kind of shot themselves in a foot and now it's it's starting to play out. Okay. What about the regional banks? I mean, we've heard a lot about Bank of Queensland recently, but are they kind of those regional lenders? Are they worth thinking about? Well, the problem is, as I said, the four big banks and everyone will blame each other. They'll be finger pointing about who's giving the, the best deals for a mortgage are crowding out the rest of the market because – the big banks make sense, probably access funding cheaper than anyone else. Now, if they're running their margin thin, it kind of knocks out everyone else mm. getting any volume. Now, they'll write some business, but it'll slow down. And, you know, the regional banks fit into that category. The non-bank lenders that we speak to are basically stepped out of the market because it's become a little bit silly. I know, I know all the headlines have been about rate rises, and paying more on your mortgage. You're actually where, compared to where official rates are and, and what cost funding is, most people have been getting terrific deals. So for the moment, you've just got to stand clear. And I think what might eventuate is the four big banks will stop trying to get market share and instead what they'll start to do is trying to improve their margin. Now, that's not easy for a bank because they've got massive loan books, some loans written 15 years ago, some written today. And so it's hard to change that. But what you might see... And this, then this works back to where you're talking about the interest rate cycle. What you might see is the banks trying to regather margin with out of cycle or out of meeting rises in their in their lending rates. It'll be interesting to see because I think yeah. that's where the market wants them to go to restore some of their margin that's lose, getting lost at the moment. Okay, now notwithstanding we had a rate rise last week, most people think that we're heading or we're getting towards the end of the rate cycle. So the Reserve Bank will stop lifting interest rates at some point. Some economists are even suggesting they may have to cut rates into the future, not that far into the future. As an investor, how do you think about investing when rates are peaking? 
Yeah, it, it, it's it's a really interesting question. Now, the first thing I'd like to say before we move on to that is we sat around at work thinking, why was the market stunned that there was a rate rise? Why was mm. it a shock or a surprise when the Reserve Bank told you very clearly they hadn't finished? They told you that after they paused for that month in their previous announcement post that. So the market got itself into a bind. You know, it's a national sport to blame Phil Lowe and the Reserve Bank for bad policy management because they got one call wrong. Well, the fact is the market has misread them when they've been very clear. So the market's got to take the blame there. I, I would think that at 3.8 and where the inflation rate is, you probably, I know the inflation rate's coming down, so they're going to cross over at some stage, but you would think there's at least one more rate rise might be June, might be July, and giving them a little bit of shelter is we now think that the US is done. It's finished. So that will help them. But at 3.8, inflation's still with a six in front of it. I know it's coming down. It just doesn't make sense. So expect at least one more, I would think, if not two. But let, let's work with one. How, what do you do in that environment? Well, it's interesting. What, what you don't want to be in traditionally when rates start to flatten out and fall is resources. And that's proven this year that resources have been a pretty ordinary trade, even though everyone thought that was the only place to be because there's special things going on in the resources market. And there is. There's, there is a energy revolution going on. There is green minerals to be bought. They probably got overbought. But anything to do with the world economic cycle is now slowing down to going backwards. And, and while the US and Europe and, and domestically we're slowing down because the rate rises, China looks like to be a bit of a basket case. The reopening just hasn't worked. China's got a lot of excess capacity and they've got high unemployment. So forget resources. I think you, as we said, you steer away from the banks for the moment. They're going through probably the bottom of the cycle. They'll, they'll appear again maybe later in the year if that cycle plays through. So what does that leave you? We still think that you, you want to look at two things. Bond yields will probably ease off over the course of the year. So you want growth assets but long-dated assets that might look a bit expensive at the moment, but I still think it's support. So what does that mean in Australia? It means, and I mentioned it before, stocks like Transurban, stocks like Goodman Group, even Telstra fits into that because they've got a good bit of growth at the moment. And so, and, and maybe property trusts, which are under the pump in the headlines, but I think they benefit from lower rates and that's where we're heading. Now, if the US keeps producing high or strong employment numbers, maybe that scenario is wrong. But that, that's where we're heading if you think interest rates are peaking and then come down. I don't think they're going to come down as quick as the market thinks, but they will support. And then, then I think you just pick off individual stocks in terms of individual stocks that are doing well and staying close to the market. That's probably more what we do. But as a sectoral thing, that, that's how I would play it. Those longer-dated big companies that have structural growth and another group of those could be the healthcare stocks that Australia's got. We've got a few good ones there. Stay with me, Matthew. We'll be back in a minute. My guest this morning is Matthew Kidman, Principal at Centennial Asset Management. What about large caps versus small caps in this sort of environment? Yes, so large caps are still the place because we're all still nervous. But I think I said last time that over the course of the year, I think small caps probably come out in front. And I think... Once we're a bit clearer on interest rates peaking, both here, the US and elsewhere in the developed world, I think you start to really look back at all those small caps that have struggled and they've struggled in a whole bunch of areas. So I think they will, as the year moves on, I think that's the place to be if the interest rate scenario that we're talking about 
unfolds. Now, that will require inflation to edge down, and, and all the lead indicators will say each month it should come down. It's a bit slower than what we thought because services are still strong. Goods inflation is way down. Uh, as we see, commodity prices have collapsed in a lot of fronts and so on. So we're kind of halfway there. Now we need the service industries to just ease off. And things like immigration and softer employment markets and so on will help that out. It's just taking a bit longer. So I think the small caps will come through as the year unfolds. How do you know, Matthew, as an investor of, you know, lots of money, how do you know when to do it? So when we talk about these things, we talk about as things unfold, but how do you know when to actually push the button? (laughs) Well, the first thing you should realise is, and this is where it's hard for the really big funds because they've got to move well in advance just to move their portfolio to make a meaningful Mm. difference. But I think what we've learned over the last three years is it's been a different market. I haven't seen anyone forecast how the markets and economies would unfold the moment COVID hit. No one has forecast a correct medium to long-term scenario. So you've got to play really short term. So you have these have these theories in your head about how things should work and then you be as nimble as possible as you go through it. Now, for those who haven't got the opportunity that we're talking about in terms of being able to watch the market every day, I, I would say what you need to do is, is pick the best of breed. So if you want to own a bank, own CBA through the cycle, eventually it'll come good. Um, and in five years' time, you would hope, you get a lot of dividends and the share price have moved a bit higher. Own a, a stock like Transurban, which, you know, has the benefit of price increases, toll roads, stuff, you know, and, and so on. Own those kind of very stable big stocks. But if you want to play where we are today on, on a kind of quarter-by-quarter quarter basis, that we've got to, got to be close to the market and play, to use football term, what's in front of you rather than a game plan that's set well before the match. Matthew, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thanks, Sean. That was Matthew Kidman, Principal at Centennial Asset Management. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Remember, this information is general in nature and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Elmer. Enjoy your day.